0: You're listening to the Clutter Fairy Weekly, a weekly webcast and podcast brought to you by the Clutter Fairy in Houston, Texas. If you'd like to participate in one of our live webcasts, please visit cfhou.com weekly. You'll find a calendar of upcoming webcasts as well as instructions for joining the Zoom meeting via the app or by phone. We'd love to see you. That URL again is cfhou.com weekly. Now here's the weekly episode. Enjoy!
1: Hi Clutter Fairy fans, this is the Clutter Fairy Weekly for July 25th, 2023. I'm your co-host Ed Gumnick and I'm speaking with Gail Goddard, Certified Professional Organizer and Owner of the Clutter Fairy in Houston, Texas.
0: Hi everybody, the Clutter Fairy Weekly is the webcast and podcast that digs deep into the clutter that piles up between you and the life that you want to be living. We explore the habits and behaviors that lead to clutter, and we suggest strategies to slow the accumulation, reduce the collection, and comfortably manage the stuff we decide to keep.
1: For anyone who's new to our Zoom meeting, we want to let you know that you can share your comments and questions via the chat, and I'll try to make sure Gail gets to them before we move on to another topic. You can also use the raise hand feature if you want to make a comment or ask a question yourself via audio or video. We're also streaming the webcast live on Facebook, so you can share your questions and comments there as well, and I'll relay them to Gail. We're going to start by talking about last week's weekly tittle, which was called Many Hands Make Light Work. We might have, maybe we should have called it Many Hands Make Light Work when you can get them to cooperate. <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> when they're on board. <laughs>
1: The assignment was to engage another member of your family or household in an organizing task or project. We want to hear from our participants in Zoom and on Facebook. Who opened up a cluttered negotiation this week? Please <laughs> let us know in the comments. Responding to last week's topic, YouTube viewer Laurie had this to say. Things bother me before they bother my husband such as the lawn needs to be mowed the kitchen counter has dishes that need to be put in the dishwasher the laundry needs to be done etc i prefer to take care of things before they get out of control he wants my help when things have gotten out of control and at that point i'm angry and resentful
0: (laughs) thanks for sharing this Lori. it's a perfect example of two different organizing styles affecting your shared living spaces Uh, You're motivated by handling things before they spiral out. And your husband is motivated by a bigger mess than that. It probably takes him longer to notice and to be bothered by the mess. That's fine. You just have to work within those parameters of your two different styles. Uh, First off, I think that you need to have that conversation about your different styles and have it not when you're mad and resentful already. (laughs) Have that conversation when you're in a better place. Um, then I have to tell you that because of your organizing style, you're always going to be the one who notices and gets annoyed by the clutter first. That means that you'll be the one compromising first because you're going to have to wait longer than you normally would to tackle things. But he can also participate in compromise by agreeing to tackle something before he would normally do it. It won't be when you would start, but it'll be sooner than he would normally start. Begin this process around a repetitive task that always bothers you, like the laundry that you mentioned the laundry. So you can start there. Decide together on a chore that you can create a routine around. Like he'll do two loads of laundry every Sunday afternoon or one load two nights a week, something like that. At least if he's making a regular dent in it, you can do some laundry also. And between you, y'all can stay ahead of the laundry. That's the kind of compromise approach that I'm talking about to uh, let everybody work within their styles, let everybody make compromises. like he may not want to do laundry two nights a week, but if you have a conversation about it and how stressful it is for you, um, th- then you might be able to get some buy-in in okay, you don't have to do all the laundry, but if you do two loads during the week, that will help me not want to kill you later. <laughs> probably shouldn't say it that way (laughs) but but that's the kind of compromise i'm talking about you are always going to be on the front line being annoyed first and he's always going to be bringing up the rear not noticing until much later and so everybody needs to recognize that that's where they're coming from and how your style affects the other person he probably finds it super annoying that you nag him about it all the time so Um, being able to notice that you both have styles and your uh, styles affect each other and coming up with a compromise that you can both live with Um, you won't be able to get him to be you um, as much as you would wish for him to change his style to be your style it's not going to happen but you can probably reach a compromise where he's not letting it go so far so that when you get ready to When he's ready to tackle it, you're already angry and resentful. That's what we're trying to avoid. So let's, uh, you know, shoot for a compromise in between there somewhere. (laughs) And thanks for sharing with us.
1: Connie says, on the way home from a 10-day holiday, I approached the topic of decluttering with DH. He kind of agreed it had to be done, but not now. (laughs) Uh, Not now. Uh. Well, she's halfway there. He's agreed it needs to be done. Right.
0: <laughs> well, and I think at that point, I'm imagining that he's hearing we have to declutter the house, and he's having that overwhelmed response of, "Oh God, I don't want to, I don't want to start this project that's going to be huge and never ends." And so then you can suggest a next smaller here's, project yeah, to work on.
1: This shelf in this room.
0: Yes. Can you please look at your stuff in this one area and, you know, make it very finite and make it manageable and make it not be a five hour project, make it be an hour project. Um, And just um, dole out those suggestions slowly over time so that he can be working on it and not be imagining that once he starts, he has to do everything until he finishes. Because if this is the first time you really talked about it, um he's probably thinking like any other project that he would you know go in the garage and work on some in the garage he would think i've got to once i start this project that i'm going to be tied up for months well well <laughs> don't have now, to
1: be i know connie has had success getting her husband's help in the past and, mm. and so it it may be that he just you know each time there has to be a fresh negotiation to get his get his buy-in again
0: right 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 well and so then work on getting his buy-in on the thing that is the most important to you right in this moment you know get him to focus on the part that is hanging you up or holding you up or um, that really needs his input before you can move something else forward Um, you know you just select in your compromise in your discussion um, you select the thing that would be if he focuses on this one area that will help me to be able to move something else forward and and um direct him in that way and good she luck added
1: it was kind added he has too much work right now trying to get a new abode for the ukrainians that is on his mind
0: oh so, all right
1: yeah you may have may have connie may have to be patient you have to wait <laughs> right a little bit grab his attention again right uh lara reports my husband held me empty one box, one more down.
0: Yay. Good job. Um, that's exciting.
1: Jane reports it was a productive week. I made a donation drop of things from the garage and let my neighbor know of it. She Yay. was the one whose
0: neighbor, oh. neighbor was Yes, yeah, so it was complaining. Week. Good job. I am so proud of you. That is a big deal. If you um were able to Get started on something that you felt really demotivated to work on. I'm really proud of you. Good, good
1: job. Well, and there's more. She says, she gave me a bag to take, and I'm hoping she was glad to hear some stuff from the garage was leaving. The many hands aspect of this was my neighbor letting me know her new favorite Goodwill drop off. The ones in our city have closed. The new location is easy to find. And there was a helpful fellow who helped me too to get things out
0: isn't that lovely so now you guys are working together as a team a little bit that's awesome she's being more supportive instead of you know judgy <laughs> we we, <laughs> we like we like when they shift to i'm working with you instead of against you that's awesome yeah big instead congratulations ring
1: you yeah yeah
0: Yeah. that's awesome
1: leela says i told my husband that we talked about his army helmet on the clutter fairy meeting last week <laughs> He laughed, but made made no comment. So I let it. <laughs> so I let it go.
0: Let it rest he, for a minute.
1: Yes. <laughs> then many items of his over the years. So I will concede defeat with the helmet and newspaper clippings.
0: <laughs> and you can, um, you can come up with a way to store them that makes you comfortable. You know, if if he, if he doesn't have to have them out, then how you can make it better for yourself is that you store it in an out of the way place that, you know, they're protected, they're available if he wants them, but you don't have to be looking at them. They can be up in a corner in a hard to reach corner in a closet. They can be on a closet floor in the back somewhere, you know, you you can work out where they live so that they are not in your face. And um, if he's okay with that, then you guys can call it a day there.
1: Let's talk about our main topic Do you find that decluttered spaces tend to collect even more clutter after you organize than they had before? It can be challenging to shift your thinking and habits to maintain clear space. Today, we're going to examine the ingrained behaviors of clutter recidivists and suggest strategies for breaking patterns and avoiding mental ruts that lead back to clutter.
0: Uh, We picked picked this topic because of a request from a viewer, and based on the survey responses, many of you also feel like refilling cleared spaces, undoing your decluttering work is a secondary problem that crops up when you get a space organized. First, I'm going to tell you that completing a lovely organized space with lots of air and a clean, uncluttered look does not create a permanent state for almost anyone. (laughs) No one's life is static. And nothing in the house freezes in place if someone is still living there. Unless you immediately leave the house, as soon as the decluttering is done, your life's going to keep flowing in the house, leaving a wave of things behind that need to be managed as an ongoing housekeeping task. So given that truth, some level of backsliding is inevitable for everyone. Second, after more than 16 years of all kinds of clients, I will say that it takes most people a while to get started on organizing work. It creeps up on them and they wake up one day having pushed themselves into the red line, overwhelmed and buried and finally awake to how big a job there is. If you found yourself at this point and started your project to reclaim your home, finishing any surface area or room of your home is a big win. Working hard and arriving at the goal of an unstuffed area, that small success of unstuffing a space is a big motivator. Most of my clients call me because they've reached stage one, complete overwhelm with their project. And after we work for a while and slowly clear out areas, they're very aware of what they've worked so hard on. They notice that it's cleared out and they watch as it fills up again. The difference is that now filling it back up again annoys them right away. They notice it as it happens instead of waking up to it much later. They watch themselves do it in real time and it starts to get under their skin much sooner than before the project started. The result of that is that they go back to reclaim it sooner rather than later. So the moral of this story, we all continue to live life and so cleared areas get messed up again. But we also notice that right away, and we get annoyed and motivated to circle back to it sooner. After you've circled back a few times to reclaim a space that was previously cleared out, if you're paying careful attention, you start asking yourself, what systems can I create to stop this pile from happening? And what behavior modification do I need to learn to support myself in maintaining new systems? Because ultimately, the stuff lands in a pile again because you still have a flow in the house, a pattern of behavior, a need to use something, a collection of information to be stored or accessed that doesn't have a place to go when it appears in your hand. That pile is stuff that either, one, has a place, but you're just not putting it there, or two, it needs a system for capture and storage, and you haven't thought your way through that question yet. Likely, you haven't noticed the recurring need before now. It's a secondary level of organizing that gets uncovered when you make a clear space appear. When a chaos is tamed, then the recurring need that keeps landing on the clear surface is putting a spotlight on something that needs a system to manage it on an ongoing basis. There are a couple of recurring themes that trip people people up here. The first one, um, I need it out to remember it. I have to see it out. I hear some version of that a lot, especially from ADD people, um, but from all kinds of people that are more visually oriented than um, um, some other way. That the visual helps trigger them. So I know that there are lots of people who claim out of sight, out of mind. They can't remember to handle it without having the item out and visible. And I understand the urge and the preference to do this, but after you've got about five things out to remember them, you've created a pile and it's a whirlwind of stuff that you can't actually see the individual items in the pile. You can't ever see everything out. So you see what's on top of the pile and you rely on occasionally filtering through a visible pile to see what's happening in there. But by then deadlines have passed, expiration dates have passed, events have gone by. You miss a lot this way. And keeping that one paper with a company name on it to remind you to make a phone call is an ineffective method for remembering to make a phone call. Lots of papers lying around are there as triggers to remind you to do something. You don't actually need that piece of paper. You need to remember to make the phone call. What's really missing here is a way to capture and refer to an action list. That list can be visible in several ways. It can be a list on the wall. It can be a digital to-do list. It can be a handwritten list on the fridge, but converting your pile of reminders to an action list that you maintain and refer to regularly is how you convert those piles into something manageable. Even if you put a collection of magazine holders on the counter with labels and a master list that sits in front of the holders, it's a better capture technique than lots of scattered random piles. For people that are visual, making that conversion to a capture system is a it's a big stretch it's it's a new idea and it's a it's a large leap but it is the next step to not living with a bunch of piles because you're always going to have more than five things you need to remember and you're never going to be able to have them all out so that you can see them or remember them as a long wide covering every surface visual landscape so that you can see it all and uh, that process is an instinct that we do, (laughs) but if you're visual, it's an instinct that you try to do it that way, but it's never really a very successful system. You'll get a few things done, you'll see a few things, but there's nothing about that system that makes things happen in a timely manner. And I think that's the biggest fail in having it all out so you can see it. There's no component of noticing deadlines Um, and and when there's more than a few pieces of paper out then there's no ability to see you have five things out or ten things out and there's another 20 things underneath it that now are not visible and so then they've fallen off your radar and there's no way for you to circle back and see it unless you stop and shuffle through the pile and for most visual people they put it out and they never touch the pile again and so it's sort of a, a recipe for failure and coming up with a system that captures and refreshes you and keeps you apprised of the deadlines is going to be the more successful way to deal with it. That's what I'm saying. There's a million ways to make that fun and pretty. Um, There's even a big, you know, wall-sized Post-it note that you can put up on the wall and write on it. You can use a whiteboard to write it up on the wall uh, if it needs to be visual that way. Um, There's all kinds of ways for you to make a to-do list visible, but the random pieces of paper as your sort of visual laid out to-do list, not really successful um, process. So the second um, hang up that people get tripped up by is, one person said it in the survey specifically, so I'm quoting this back to you. This is one of the survey responses. I just don't like to put things away right away. I can do that later It's a constant refrain. My desk, my never empty desktop are always the result of delayed decisions and delayed action in favor of something more pressing or more interesting to do. So that heard was that.
1: Ani- Anita, that was Anita. <laughs>
0: was it Anita? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, she just wrote out something that I've heard a million times. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna, I don't wanna deal with that. I can do that later. I can do that later. And I hear that often, often, often. There's always something more interesting to do And you're making a choice to do something more interesting instead of maintaining your space how you want it to be. That's a choice that you can make for sure. But if you want to keep a clear space that you've worked hard to uncover, this is showing you a behavior change that you need to cultivate. Deciding to do something that's not interesting but just needs to be done is how you maintain the other thing that you want to experience, which is a clear space that is soothing and reassuring. The interesting thing you're doing instead of making decisions or putting things away gives you one kind of reward, but it's at the expense of another. So you have to know that you're making a choice to choose immediate distraction over doing something that isn't fun, but consistently delivers serenity and peace of mind. If you find yourself here, then working on tricks to focus, scheduling maintenance work sessions, trying out ways to focus on the needful things that aren't fun, this is where you next need to work. Overall, you can think of this as round two of your journey to be organized. It's the places where you're refining your systems so they reflect what's actually important to you, how you actually use specific items and spaces. It points out the objects and the needs that you haven't yet thought through clearly. It's not easy to solve everything that creates clutter in the first go, so noticing these places that refill with random stuff is pointing out to you what needs and systems got missed in round one, and it gives you the feedback you need to address it as round two of your organizing project. As an organizer, I suggest and put in place various systems for a client and then wait for feedback from daily use of the systems. Sometimes my ideas work well for a client right away, and sometimes they have to be tweaked to better suit the client. I'm good with that. I try to gather good intel on how the client needs things to go and suggest a solution that would suit them, but often the systems need minor tweaks to make it truly work for them consistently. You can go through the same process, refining your designs until they truly work for you, and reach out when you can't figure out what to do. If you have a problem but can't find a solution, reach out to your network for ideas or call in a professional. (laughs) If you've already decluttered, then you can use an expert to help you with round two, refining the systems until they work well for you. It's a good time to spend money for expert guidance and solution ideas. And you know where to find me, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I am available for virtual organizing anytime. And, you know, addressing the, I've decluttered this room, but I still have this problem. I don't know what to do about. Those are great questions to come and ask me. Or any other organizer that you have in your area, for sure.
1: Connie says, uh, DH has the strata system. The older things are at the bottom of the almost sliding piles on his desk. He claims he can find anything. He has proven himself wrong too many times.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, the thing about the strata system is uh, you, you have a general idea where you think it is. Um, and depending on how good your memory is, and some people are really oriented that way. And they can absolutely like I know that that document is right here and they can sort of put their hands on it right away just because they remember the layering that they've done but most of the time the layering is a little unconscious. And so you're not actually recording where something's going when you put it in a pile.
1: If it's become a pile that's threatening to topple over, I would venture to guess that not everything in that pile has the same priority or Or value, value or importance. Um, Jane responded to Connie's text saying I've, um i've recently created a time will tell bin for mail that comes in that i may want to look at later but has no action items it's much like your husband's approach except nothing in it requires action that's a really important distinction
0: Ooh,
1: um the nice and so thing the about, idea is that
0: ver- that, it, that it sits there and marinates for a while while she thinks about it
1: yeah i guess that's the idea that I, I may want to look at later okay. mail. i may want to look at later i i think that could be um Charities you're thinking about donating to, things you're thinking about subscribing to, uh, things, catalogs where you saw something you might want to buy, perhaps. Mm-hmm. She says the nice thing about this bin is the ease of flipping it over to pull out recycling from the old stuff when it's getting full. This is working much better than having stacks of this kind of stuff everywhere, and especially mixing with anything requiring action. That That was the real key point there, I think.
0: So I think that that's, you are creating a filter system that way that gives you a time delay for taking action, but also um, pulls it out of the stuff that, like you said, that has action associated with it. And so you're um, clearing it from the surfaces that makes it look like it might be actionable when it really isn't. And you've sort of created a theme box that you're putting that stuff in, which is awesome. So you're isolating it. And, and you you have a container size that when the container gets full, you go in and start pulling stuff from the bottom and recycling things. Like you've done a good job of crea- corralling it and creating a time delay for when you have to handle it and keeping it from floating in the house. So very interesting um, solution, I like it. And, and I guess the question is, if you're comfortable with the volume of the, the box size, and the speed at which you pull things out for recycling. If you're comfortable with that flow and you're able to stay ahead of it, then great. And if you find that um, it fills up too quickly or uh, you're struggling to get to the recycling part of it fast enough, you may want to then think about how many things are you keeping to to that you might want later and maybe some of those things can go. <laughs> they're like maybe reevaluate why it gets tossed in the think about it later bin and um, maybe uh, filter some things on the front end before it goes there but otherwise love that you worked it out and that it's successful and it corrals it i think that that's really important
1: marsh says all this uh all this expletive deleted mail keeps coming yet my mindset has begun to change. My personal time is as valuable as my ongoing ability to be successful on cleaning, clearing these paper clusters. Um, She goes on to say some of the approaches she taken setting up bill pay for monthly bills. Um, She said, I am most inclined to recluster clutter clutter my receipts. Still have an active fear, uh, loss of proof that I paid for something or I may have to return something.
0: So I would then try the onion approach, peeling the onion approach to your receipts. Um, Some of those receipts are not, A, they're not big dollars. So you can filter for a dollar threshold. B, there's lots of it that is food related. You went to the grocery store, you went to Target, you went to wherever and your daily household supplies probably don't need to be returned like you're not going to take back the baked potato that you bought right so um once you get it home and it's been there for a week groceries in particular then i think you can let the grocery store receipt go when you start getting into you know i spent ten dollars on this kind of object maybe you ask yourself if that ten dollar threshold is big enough if you have to prove something that's that's less than ten dollars then you're not going to worry about it. You're going to let something that costs less than $10, let that receipt go. And something that costs more than $10, that's your threshold to keep up with it. Obviously, durable goods are more likely to be, uh, have the possibility of return than perishable goods. So you can filter for that. Um, And that just means, you know, if you're going to the drive-thru, you don't need to keep that receipt, you ate the food. If you're going to the grocery store, after a week or so, you figured out whether you accidentally got a, bad batch of meat or a bad loaf of bread or something is wrong with uh, one of the objects that you bought and you can take it back. And beyond that, um, you've sort of reached the lifespan of the food, the fresh food. So it's not, you know, it's not going to be available to take back anymore. So I think um, those kinds of perishable things are easier to filter out quicker and any kind of fast food that you're eating, it's obviously needs to go quicker. And then, um, you know, stuff beyond that, you have to ask yourself how durable it is and what kind of dollar threshold you would like to filter it by. And that will at least reduce the receipts. Even if you feel like you have to address your fear of needing to prove something, um, you can whittle down what you feel like you have to prove to a very specific population.
1: M says, my piles are projects. Oh, look, free space. I do a long overdue project or two in the space that was intended for another use and the free space is gone. And then she went on to say a little further down, I guess the problem is the spaces I create do not reflect my needs.
0: And, and probably that you have more projects, uh, you have a project list that's longer than the free spaces that you have. So I think the fallacy here is that if you have a project, it needs to be out in the open as a reminder or waiting for you to get to it. And I think instead that project needs to be on a project list and the project needs to be stored somewhere out of the way so that you're not looking at it because you don't want all of your open, unclosed loop projects laying around everywhere because it may be a project, but it may be a project that you're not going to get to for five years because you don't want to paint the wall right now, or you don't want to, um, trade out those cabinets. And so um, evaluating the project for its immediacy. and any project that's not on the immediate list needs a you know, needs a place to be living, needs a box, needs a container with a note on it that says this is project A. and it, that project itself needs to be on a project list that you maintain. So you don't have to worry about forgetting about the project because the project is on your list. But the project contents, the project support is contained somewhere and out of your way. You're always going to have open projects and having them all be out waiting for your attention, you will just be living with open projects all the time. And so figuring out a way to manage those open projects for you, to keep up with the list of what they are, and then to park the contents until you need them is is the system that's missing right there.
1: Jenny, who's with us on Facebook, shared... I can make a dent in the pile and my husband will immediately fill it back up, basically eliminating the work I did. I have no idea where this stuff comes from, but it looks vaguely familiar.
0: It looks vaguely familiar. Interesting.
1: Yeah. So he's shuffling stuff around, it sounds like, from, from place to place. When he sees you've, you've opened up some free space, he, uh, he's taking it upon himself to fill it right how do you how do you you open that negotiation
0: right i think um, having a conversation about that is super important um because really once you clear a space and you want it to stay clear then you're redefining the purpose of the space and for him an open clear surface is likely a horizontal place where he can start stacking more and spread out more but i think You having a conversation that this horizontal surface is not your storage area, it's not a work surface, that this is an area that I want our home to stay, you know, to look nice, to be appropriate for others to come over, for it to be serene for me, and I need this space that I've uncovered to stay clear. He may be operating from the, oh, look, it's another horizontal surface I can cover theory. (laughs) And, And lots of people do that. But I think pointing out for you, for him that, no, this surface is off limits. Like we're, I've cleared it. It needs to stay clear in order for our decor, for our house to look nice. And this is a no fly zone for you. I know you're tempted. I, you know, stop it.
1: Michelle says, I have defined certain rooms as no fly tipping zones and woe betide DH if he does. right.
0: (laughs) yeah there. you know clearly you can't declare that for the whole house but if it is a public area if it's an area where you are going to have guests over um if it's where everybody sits together at night you know there's a reason why certain areas it works better if it stays clear and you know you can define what those pieces are and what those places are and say yeah this is on the no-fly list buddy i'm sorry It is not a surface that I uncovered for you to use as storage.
1: Emily Seuss says, I'm going through papers right now. I'm on the very last small pile of my seventh and final bin. I've been going through papers every day since May 9th this year. I can't believe the amount of paper I've been moving around with me. It's been an eye-opening experience. My husband and I are currently working on creating a system to prevent this backup in the future.
0: Excellent. Oh, congratulations. Isn't it shocking when you realize how much dead weight you've been hauling? That's always like, and then you get into it and you're like, why is this in here? And it's always in here because you have not up to that point, you have not been willing to go in and look and realize what, you know, what waste it is, what trash it is. So good for you going through it and good for you designing a system and you guys working it out so that you can like be churning the um, the paper in real time instead of as an old as an old you know finite project on the back end good job that's always exciting to hear since may so think about that if you've been doing boxes since may now we're in the middle of july almost the end of july so you've been really working at it
1: claire says i've recently numbered my paid work project piles And each pile now has a work action list that keeps me up to speed and saves me pile shuffling to see what I did last. Baby steps, but at least it's not the 15 filing cabinet drawers that I have 90% archive shredded or moved to the action piles. This has taken weeks of the odd 30 minutes to do, but it is helping with the work action lists now.
0: That is awesome. And, And maintaining those lists, like I said, having that action list of what you need to be doing for the project and taking those notes while, you know, what's going on. Like part of what you're doing is you're refreshing yourself where you are and then making notes about it. So when you come back to it, you've already done the work. You already know what's next because you've gotten, you made the list. So good job and list for each pile, a parking space for each project. I like it.
1: Um, I wanted to share just a, a few more survey answers. Um, <laughs> Okay. Particularly where, where viewers and listeners had uh, answered, what habits, mindsets, practices, or other factors contribute to your ability to successfully maintain a previously cluttered space? I think um, you know, sharing some of some of people's success stories is some great. of the wins. Yeah. So Ellen says, "I try not to buy anything that isn't consumable without thinking first if I really need it and where I will put it. If if I buy a newer." or nicer item, the old one has to go instead of keeping a just-in-case extra. I've replaced very, very few things in my kitchen and recently got three new pairs of shoes and got rid of three pairs. This was a huge step forward for me.
0: That's awesome. So that's you, you know, doing one in one out in real time. You bought three new shoes and you wanted the three new shoes. And so it's like, okay, but my my closet is only so big and I can only hold so much stuff in here. So in order to add these three new shoes in, I got to take three shoes out. Good job. And I'm sure that those shoes, you know, can go on to be used by somebody else now instead of, you know, 10 years from now when you can't get in your closet and then you take them and they're dead. Because they the you know <laughs> the cushion is hardened or the stuff is peeling apart or it's you know they don't last forever so great job on making that happen and it's a good practice to get into congrats yay
1: Catherine shared this I created questions slash reasons why items can or cannot enter my home applying what I've learned including mm-hmm. post it notes to remind me um. So she's sort of, we've talked, we've talked about a lot about decluttering algorithms. We haven't really applied that idea to incoming stuff, but Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe, maybe a list you keep in your, in your purse or wallet that says these are, you know, if I, before I buy something. I mean, other than the obvious things, like if you need, if you need some milk, you need some milk, but right, right. <laughs> um, but, you know, when you're, sh- when you're shopping for home goods or clothes or books right. or, yeah. or, or, or entertainment stuff, maybe you have a list you carry around that says it's got to meet all of these criteria. If it doesn't meet these criteria, it doesn't come home with me.
0: Being cute is not a sufficient reason to buy it. Right. It's so cute. Therefore I have to have it. No, you don't. You can just admire the cuteness and walk on. <laughs> like that. And I think that's the biggest shift that we have to make as adults. Like when you're younger, you need everything anyway. And so shopping is fun and you can go shopping and add stuff. But, you know, four decades or five decades of shopping at will creates a backup of stuff in your house that you spend a huge amount of time clearing back out again. So uh, shopping is entertainment really has to shift for people and having these filters it needs to meet all these criteria before i bring it in the house or i bring it i bought three new shoes therefore i have to send three shoes out these kinds of filters become how adults that have full houses manage their things and not just shop without thinking changing that will really change how you manage your house because it'll m- mean that you've made a thoughtful choice instead of a knee jerk, emotional. I'm bored. I'm, uh, you know, I think it's super cute. I'm attracted to the color, whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's purple. I know it's purple, but that doesn't mean you have to buy it just because it's purple. So having that thought process when you go out and being conscious of it is a really big evolution in managing your space and changing the pattern of flow that's coming in. Good job. I like Um, it.
1: Naomi offers a a simple suggestion, um, but this is one that a lot of people have not already addressed, I, I think. Naomi says, a key holder plaque on the wall right beside the front door frame. Having finally trained myself to hang up the keys as I come through the door has changed my life. No more panic searches for the keys when I'm already running late.
0: Isn't that the worst? That is the worst when you're running around because you can't find the keys. It's the worst. So good job. And the truth is people don't think about this. Like the keys are only important outside of the house. (laughs) Once you come in the house, you're not going to need the keys anymore until you leave the house again. You don't need the car key in the house. You don't need the house key in the house. So it has to come in the door. It's going to open the door And you're going to come in and then it immediately is not important anymore. So you might as well hang it up right there because the next time you're going to need it is when you want to go out the door and lock it and go unlock your car and get in it and drive. And so that whole key bundle that we carry around is not important once you've arrived in the house. And that's part of why it gets tossed aside. Like you come in, you throw it down because now now it's not important, but having that like The last thing that it does is open the door to get you in the house. And then it, and then it should be immediately off duty and be hanging on the wall somewhere right by the door. And I love that, you know, hanging that plaque. There's a million little hooks that you can put up to make it look pretty, or you can have a little, you know, if there's a table by the door, you can have a dish that you throw it in, whatever, but it is not going to be necessary until you leave the house again. And so letting go of it, as soon as its job is done, means that you don't have those miserable, stressful mornings where I'm late. I'm late. Where's the keys? Where's the keys? Because, you know, there's no finding the keys when you're hysterical. (laughs) Like that's just, you know, that's just a recipe for disaster and never getting where you want to go. So been there, done that. No. Yeah. I have that same hook by the door and my keys go up there while I still have things in my hand. Like I come in the door and close the door and I'm hanging up the key before I walk away from the door immediately. And you're right. It's like, it makes your life so much less stressful. (laughs) I'm so not awake in the morning and I do not need to be trying to chase down keys. And, you know, if I'm losing my keys or my glasses, my life is a wreck. And so (laughs) it's something that has to be done um, and has to be ready to go right away.
1: Okay. Also in response to our, question about you know what what helps you um brenda said i don't wish to become a hoarder like my mother especially when i returned from my mother's house and as i entered my own i needed to step over quite a few items and decided then and there i needed to change
0: nothing like a little time out of the house and having to come back to reflect to you that maybe this isn't exactly how you want to be good job for noticing let me say first of all And, you know, if you've had an experience of living with your mother and having your mother's space be out of control and how difficult that is to navigate, if you start to feel like, ooh, ooh, I'm looking a little bit like her, then good job for noticing and good job for, you know, diving in to start changing it for yourself now before it becomes way more manageable than it is right now. And, and for your own safety. You know, we want you to be able to get in and out of the door safely. And the idea of opening the door and climbing over things to get in means that it's not safe for you to get in and out of your house. And that um, is a concern because, you know, what if the house is on fire? (laughs) What if you have to run out of the house in a hurry and you're like climbing over stuff to get out? You don't need to be tripping in the dark when the house is on fire. So good job. Pay attention. Make it safe for yourself. We love it. We want you to be safe.
1: Um, An anonymous user responded to that question. I am constantly weeding, or as Gail says, filtering, or her text in thinning the herd, which (laughs) I love. I try to look at my spaces as a stranger would so that I'm not getting so used to a space being cluttered that I become blind to it. I try to keep fresh eyes.
0: That's a great thing to think about and try to be conscious of, the idea of um, how would another person see this? Like we live in it and we tune it out and we don't pay attention, but what would somebody else see if they walked in and looked at it? And it's great for you to keep that as a sort of an objective um, motivator reminder and uh, allowing you uh, using that point of view to allow you to keep um, thinning the herd. Awesome. And yes, that is a very Texan thing. I don't think of it, but it really is a very Texan thing to say thinning the herd. (laughs) Yeah we bring you silliness at the clutter fairy
1: (laughs) i imagine that i imagine that there are probably people who watch our videos and hear you say that and picture your the the 40 acres behind your house where your actual herd is since since you live in texas at all
0: Uh, yeah yeah no (laughs) there's no actual herd here it's okay um i live in the city I have friends that have a herd out, <laughs> out of the country though. <laughs> oh, in that buddy, And, but it's, you know, it's such a, it's such a natural, it's such a perfect visual for me <laughs> of what I'm trying to explain. And I, you know, I forget that it's, I'm talking about cows. <laughs> That's crazy. Right. But it was like, it was, I, when I adopted, and I don't even know how it became part of my vernacular, but, um, when I adopted it, was like, oh, this is a perfect description of of what we're trying to do here. <laughs> okay, I'm texting. What can I say?
1: <laughs> okay, so the one one other thing I'd like you to address from the survey is okay the, probably the number one answer on where the where the trouble comes in, what area. Uh, we, we asked in which collections or categories of stuff are you most inclined to reclutter and the number one answer was the closet the clothes and the clothes closet right so any specific tips on keeping that from getting recluttered i mean other than having having a seasonal schedule to right. to address it
0: i think um a noticing when being conscious when things start being on the floor and being in your way, paying attention to that and addressing that right away is first. Um, Second, if the clutter, if the closet is over, is full or feeling full, then asking yourself, what have I actually stored in here and does it really need to be stored in here? Maybe there's more to be let go of here. Like, we, we use closets to hide things and save things, right? And so if, if you've stashed too much stuff in there, that's part of why it's overly full. So you may want to go, okay, I delayed making some decisions by stashing some things in the closet. And maybe I need to pull some of those things out and decide whether they really need to be stashed in the closet or not. Maybe I can now circle back to them and let some of that stuff go, um, donate some of that stuff away. There are things that go into the closet when they feel hot and valuable and important, but the truth is they're just, they cross the line from I'm using it to I'm not using it. Um, You know, I'm imagining the, um, the table decorations for the wedding that got boxed up and brought home at a particular client. And they went into the bedroom and became a stack against the wall, but it could have just as easily been in the closet And they go in there because you spent money and you just used them as table decor. And so they feel valuable. But the truth is their use happened and is never going to happen again. And so it was just a delayed decision. It was hard for you to go, okay, I really don't need these and I can move them on immediately. But now they've been marinating in there for a while. And you can probably go back and go, yeah, the wedding was five years ago. I'm not, no other bride is going to want this decor I need to send this on to donation and let them go um, live somewhere besides my house. So, Our closet is, uh, is, you know, the hall of delayed decisions for sure. And so going in there and finding out what delayed decisions are in there and can be made now will help you maintain the space that you've got and keep it dialed down.
1: Okay. I think we should talk about next week. Okay. We'll be back next week. That is uh, Tuesday, August 1st at noon US Central Time, live in Zoom and streaming on Facebook. We're gonna talk about, um, we had a survey response this week asking that we address safety again. Um, the, the respondent mentioned having toddlers in the house and wanting advice on how to keep the floors clear. So we're gonna talk about issues of safety, mobility, and the ease of access.
0: Yeah, watch and that was payment. like toddlers and grandparents living together in the house and that the yes, toddler's yeah, mess was threatening right. to the grandparents.
1: And yeah. maybe vice versa, who knows? Right,
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> so watch watch your email for, for, for announcement of that. Okay. Why don't you give us the tittle?
0: Okay, this week's tittle is reset your recluttered space. This week's assignment is to address one area of your home with a tendency to get recluttered. Identify a space that you previously decluttered entirely or at least substantially toward which clutter seems to keep gravitating. Notice what's accumulated in the space since the last time you gave it any attention and pick one item to focus on. Ask yourself, why has the item landed in this spot? Who put it there? When, why, or under what circumstances? Does it have a rightful storage place elsewhere in the home already? does it need to be kept at all now think about a habit you might cultivate or a system you could design and implement this system to keep this item and similar items from ending up as reclutter and repeat this process as many times as you need for the space that you've selected and return to this exercise each time you start to see a clear space filling up again so go and um, Talk to your recluttered space, find out what's going on in there, and then come back and tell us about it later. Okay.
1: Somebody mentioned in the chat today that she always forgets about the tittle and doesn't, doesn't write it down and so on. And so I'm going to repeat the the link for, to the show notes, which is, uh, is cfh2u.com slash tcfw175 that's where you'll be able to find the full text of the tittle so you don't you don't even have to make notes just go to our website go to the website look look it up look for the latest show notes and you'll have the title right there in front of you right all right if you're watching this on youtube we would love for you to join us live to get notifications about upcoming events we invite you to join the meetup group by visiting cfhou.com slash meetup
0: our live group is lots of fun. So um, we have lots of uh, you know fun chat during and afterwards. It's a fun yes. group. So you should come hang with us.
1: <laughs> you can also follow us on Facebook by visiting cfhou.com slash Facebook or join our mailing list by visiting cfhou.com slash subscribe. We love to hear from you. So please keep your questions, comments, and topic suggestions coming on YouTube, Facebook, or anywhere that you find us. You can always reach us through our website at clutterfairhouston.com.
0: Thanks so much for coming with us this week, coming along for the journey. We're always so glad to see you and we really appreciate how active and participatory you guys are. Y'all are just really great about making comments and doing surveys and we appreciate that so much. So thank you for joining us and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.